When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to the Growing Up Rock Podcast with your host, Stephen Michael and Sonny Hollywood Pooney. Christmas is the, that's the day where fathers should like just freak out because my father used to buy me like big expensive gifts and shit like that and fathers get cheap shit like Old Spice. <laughs> that's a father gift, you know, he's like, hey, pop, buy him some Old Spice because you see the commercial, the guy go, I'll buy that for my father, man. <laughs> for Christmas. Or high karate or some cheap shit like that. Or brute by Fabergé and shit. They say by Fabergé, like that's supposed to be impressive and shit. Brute by Fabergé. Give cheap ass cologne and shit. That's the kind of shit you buy your father. Brute and drawers and socks. And your father go out and buy you like racetracks and shit. And, Tyco train sets, because you make a list, you know, you say, I want this, I want G.I. Joe with the Kung Fu grip, and I want AFF racing track. And your father go out and buy all that stuff and it'd be under the tree, and you come down and rip all the stuff open, and it'd be toys and shit on the floor, everything scattered all over the place, and your father come downstairs, you say, here's Joe, daddy! It's just one box, every kid in the house's name is on the card. He <laughs> says, hey, thanks a lot. Hey, open it up and say, Brute, by Fabergé. Thank you. Some cheap motherfucker. Shingle bells. Shingle bells.
sunny. It's Christmas Day, and we're releasing a Grown Up Rock episode. What is up with that, man? Do we never rest or what? Yeah, see, at uh, Grown Up Rock headquarters, we're always working. We should do head and shoulder commercials. Never not working. Exactly. I mean, we're bringing metal to the masses on Christmas. We're calling this the Christmas Metal Spectacular. I mean, I don't know if that's what I'm going to call it or not, but sure, why not? <laughs> yeah. And I'll tell you, you know, having uh, Dallas kind of be a part of this from the LA Maybe, I ask a lot of people, tell me a new band that you love. Man, the LA Maybe comes up a lot. That's right. So you're teasing the audience. We'll just tell people this is going to be a little bit of a variety show. So the main content of this episode is going to be Sonny and I discussing what else? Christmas metal songs or metal songs or Christmas songs that are done in a metal way. But as a special added bonus for you, the listener on Christmas day, while you're, you know, eating your figgy pudding, what, the, what the hell is figgy pudding? <laughs> I have no idea. And I don't want to know me neither. I'm not eating figgy pudding. It sounds disgusting, but as an added bonus, we've got to crank it up in a music spotlight in which we invited our friend Dallas Dwight from the LA Maybe to come on and talk to us about this new song that they just released, Down to Fight, and tell us a little bit about what's going on in their world. They just came off the Kiss Cruise. They're getting ready to go to Europe for a tour. So Dallas and I just shoot the shit for about 25 minutes or so. So that's your Crank It Up New Music Spotlight segment. And then afterwards, Sonny and I will come on and talk about this uh, metal Xmas headbanging record that we have. And uh, we'll go through that. So let's crank it up. It's time for the Crank It Up New Music Spotlight. Hey, what's up? This is Dallas Dwight, and you're listening to our brand new single, Down to Fight. I haven't been 
So a special edition of the Crank It Up New Music Spotlight. You just heard the latest from the LA Maybe, Down to Fight. Love that song. Dallas, tell us a little bit about that tune, man. Is there a new album coming out? Yeah, we're working towards a new album and we can talk about this ad nauseum, but there's, you know, kind of a new way to release music these days. And it's it's been going around for a while, but that's, you know, release singles more often instead of an album all at once. So we still love the album and we believe in the album, but the way we're going about releasing album two is going to be in singles and then it's going to culminate in the album. And instead of just doing your typical one or two singles, we're probably going to do pretty much all of them. So that way we can stay in front. Well, basically all of 2023 is going to be new music, you know, every, every month, every couple months, every few weeks, you know, however you want to define it. We haven't gotten that far along in the process yet, but uh, we're going to have just a lot of new music coming at you. But Down to Fight is the first of the batch and it's actually come out this year in 2022. We released it while we were on the Kiss Cruise, which we can talk about as well. Yeah, it's just a song we wrote it uh, about, you know, it's just aggression and, and attitude. And I, I envision it as like a UFC walkout song, or, you know, the old school wrestler walkout songs, one of those NFL highlight video. You know, it fits in any of those kind of formats. And um, we wanted a video that was kind of its match. So we we came up with this crazy idea and, and, and pulled it off as best we could and chainsawed through a couch inferno and all kinds of crazy stuff. So it was a blast to make that video. It was a blast to make the song. And we're glad everyone's enjoying it. Yeah, now if you give me an album of this, I'll be down to fight. <laughs> yeah, this album runs the gamut, man. We have um, we have a lot of cool stuff coming that we're that we're super excited about. But the the main thing is that it's just good music. It's the music that that we wish we could hear, and it's just not out there in in whatever form or fashion. Of course, there's tons of great music, but this is our stamp that that is the most us. So that's what we're trying to put out there. So that was my next question with the way that you're going to release all these songs, one a month, basically the whole album, are the songs done and you're going to release them? Are you writing and recording as you go? Yeah. We're kind of writing and recording as we go. Yeah. For sure. Next, the next one's done. Yeah. And we have, you know, others in, in varying degrees of completion and then we don't have 10 yet. So <laughs> who knows what those last few will be, but we have probably seven or so. Right. So it's, it's November as we're recording this now, end of November, actually. Uh, so maybe a new album by maybe summer of next next year? Mm, it'll probably be this time next year or maybe even early 24. All right, you're killing me here. <laughs> oh, you're going to have to play music because you're going to get a new song every six to eight weeks. You know, these days, if you release anything, let's say you release a song, Down to Fight, you release it to the world and you got about two weeks before everyone moves on because... You know, the next Dirty Honey released something. Greta Van Fleet released something. Guns N' Roses released something. Metallica's released something. Molly Crew released Just go on and on and on and on. There's a new band that came out that's releasing something. Your brother's band released something. Your cousin who raps released something. You're done. You forgot about us. It's over. It's been three, four weeks. You're done. That's happening no matter what I release. If I release a 10-song album to you, you're still gone in two weeks. It's not keeping you around any longer because there's more music. But now what I've done is I've shown my whole hand and I've burned all my cards and I have nothing left to give you for another two years. So now instead of being out of your radar for a few weeks, I'm going to be out of your radar for two years. <laughs> yeah. It's going to take that long to get another 10 songs or 12 songs or whatever it is. Instead, why don't I give you one song? You forget about me in two weeks, the same way you would have if I gave you 50 songs. And then I'll come back in six weeks and give you another one. And oh, there they are. Maybe again, I remember them. I like them. Forget about them in two weeks again. Oh, bam, there we are again the next six weeks with another song. And we're just going to keep staying in your life. Yeah, Much better to do it that way 
and, and this is no, you know, I'm not breaking any ground here. This is kind of how it is these days. Much better to do that than to give you everything at once. And then you're like, okay, cool. But now Guns N' Roses has their new album. So whatever, I'm not listening to that again, you know, or whatever it is. So it's much better. And, and you know, fans, I think especially old school fans kind of struggle to wrap their head around that. They, they, I want the album. I want the physical copy. It's like, yes, but you are still going to forget about us in two weeks. So I can't run that risk. I have to play it smart. And that involves kind of playing the game a different way. You know, you're not wrong. Doesn't mean I have to like it. <laughs> doesn't mean, doesn't look, mean I have to like it either. Cause now we have to do a separate release schedule and a separate marketing schedule 10 times instead of one. <laughs> look, I completely understand. I'm old school. Uh, I'm an album guy. I listen to oh, it. I am too. I definitely start am to finish. Too. Were you really born in 92? 92. Yep. Oh man, dude. Yep. That is I actually super turned, scary. Um, I'm going to turn 30 uh, in the UK in just a few days. Wow. That is so super scary. (laughs) It makes me feel super old. Oh, well. All right. So let's talk about a couple other things. I don't know how I miss this because I get a regular email from you. I watch the show every so often Mm -hmm. and talk as much or as little as you want about it. Because the last time you and I talked, it was me, you, Alvy, and Sonny. When did Alvi leave? When did this whole thing happen? Alvi left well over a year ago. Um, he was just wanting to do his tribute band. So we were like, okay, cool. You know, do that. We'll get our old, our original singer back. So we got Goliath back. And um, Goliath was was our original singer, like I said. And, and we wrote most of Dirty Game Tricks with him and for him. So uh, the reason you didn't hear anything is because we didn't announce it. Because we knew what would happen. If we would, and we saw a little bit of this already, so we were proven right. Yeah. But if we announced that change, everyone was going to be like, oh, they're done. It's over. Sucks. Too bad. It's like, well, hold on a second. Alvi didn't write the songs I did. So the songs are still going to be the same because I'm not going anywhere. Right. And they were written for Goliath. So they fit his voice better. So this is only a step in the right direction. So, but, you know, you can't explain that to everyone. They're just going to see the post and be like, okay, fuck that band forever. Never, never listen to them again. Because there's a lot of things I feel like or behind the scenes that, that, a, that a music fan doesn't know and shouldn't know. It's not, it doesn't, it doesn't affect them. Who cares? Like, I don't care about, you know, this and that. I just want good music. You know, I don't need to know all of the behind the scenes stuff necessarily, although that's kind of changed a little bit these days, but we wanted to kind of just make a transition and fun, I have a lot of stories and, and fun proof of this fact, but we played a show. So we made the change early October. We played a show at, at Halloween. This was last year. And of course, Albie and Goliath could not look more different. They're polar opposites. Nobody knew we changed singers. They had no clue. <laughs> no clue. They were watching the show. They'd seen our videos. They booked us because of our album and our music videos, and they had no idea we changed singers. And they look like opposite. Like, <laughs> so. Well, the guy could have grown a beard, I guess. I, I don't know. Goliath. Yeah, he, he would have had to have been taking some mad fish oil for that, I guess. But So just to give me a history lesson then, because for whatever reason, we never originally did this, which is... I guess because you're sort of a newer band, which is, okay, so Goliath is the original guy that was there before Alvi. Yeah, we had an EP out for a while. We scrubbed it when we came out with 30 Damn Tricks. We had released five songs. We had released a four-song EP and one single. Those songs were Peace of Mind, She's Reckless, Sweet, Fake was the single, and then there was another a fourth on that EP called Mistress, which we just did away with entirely. So you see there that that's four of the Dirty Damn Tricks songs right there. And that was with Goliath, the EP? Was with Goliath. Yeah, that was all with Goliath and the single as well. And then we had um, a few of those other Dirty Damn Tricks ones written already, ready to release, like Take Me Away and I think one other. So that's over half the songs were done with Goliath. 
And then um, the pandemic hit and all of our gigs were canceled and we were just kind of going through this and that and decided to part ways with Goliath mutually and, and amicably. And then we found Alvi and um, just through his Guns N' Roses tribute. And he came in and sang the album. And then we never even really got to play shows. I think we played like three, four, maybe five tops shows with uh, Alvi. Mm-hmm. And then um, Alvi kind of decided to move on and do his own thing because he wasn't ever really fully in the band. He kind of came in and sang, you know, I, I told him like, okay, sing it this way, sing it this way, do it that. We did it because I was producing the album. I produce all of our stuff and I write all of our stuff. So it kind of comes, it's, it's the truest expression of me and by extension, all of us in the band because everybody comes in and puts their own stamp on it. But I was very much in charge of those vocal sessions. And it was kind of the the product of just the summer. We just spent the summer in my studio recording vocals, came out with it. And, and, it, and Alvi did a great job. It was everything it needed to be. But then it just came time for live shows and it just wasn't really happening. And he was busy. And, and so we parted ways and Goliath was in a much better place and ready to come back and fire it up. And, and he came back and, and to his credit, just really, really stepped up. And he's just just a phenomenal live singer. The only feedback I've heard on people that have noticed that change is that it's it's a change for the better. So I'm inspired by that, and I'm happy to see that. And if anyone doesn't think that, they haven't seen us live. I heard good things. I'll be honest with you. So you met up uh, with various podcaster friends of mine. Yeah, Tom and Zeus from Shout Out Loudcast. Tom and Zeus, we know. We also know uh, Steve Wright from the Potter and Hell podcast. Uh I know he was on the cruise as well. And just all I heard was good things about you guys, right? Uh, so you guys must've done a good job. What was the set list like on that cruise? Uh, for us, we, we tried to change it up every time. So we played three. I was actually really surprised to see that other bands didn't change it up at all. <laughs> I was like, wait, I thought we're all on the same boat. Like <laughs> Super lazy, super lazy. And I'm talking about mainly the, the bigger acts. I, I the, the smaller bands, I only got to see one of them. So I don't know if they changed their set or not. You know, we don't have a, a huge deep catalog and we're playing set five minutes. So we pretty much have to play everything you know, plus some extra stuff every show. But we sat down and and decided, you know, let's rearrange it. Let's do a different intro. Let's do this here and not here. Let's do this. Let's throw this cover in. The One of the shows we brought Tracy Guns up and did communication breakdown. We just, you know, we went all over the place and tried to do as much different stuff. And we scaled it. Each show was better than the last because we wanted people to be like, you know, at the end of the first show, oh shit, we got to go. We got to go see these guys. Like, or, oh man, I missed it. I got to see the second one. You know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Because we're the new kids on the block and there's, you know, big bands on board. So Nobody knows who we are. They're just like, ah. they're looking at the schedule and they're like, you look at a name on a schedule. You don't know who that is. You don't know if they're good, bad, rock, pop, whatever. Right. So it's just like, hey, I'm not going to go to that. I'm, gonna, I'm hungry. I'm going to go or I'm going to go nap or, you know, whatever. We had to really work hard to get people to our shows. And, and, and we did a good job to our credit. We all five kind of split up and everyone go walk the boat and meet people and talk to people and get them to our shows and be friendly and laugh and smile and shake hands and kiss babies and all the good stuff, you know. Yeah, it's much more of a gunfight on uh, Monsters of Rock cruise. How so? There's a lot of overlap. With the Kiss cruise, it's only, I don't know, 10 bands or something. You don't have a bunch. With Monsters of Rock, it's 45 bands, and everybody plays two sets. How are there any people on the boat if there's 45 bands? (laughs) 45 bands, and literally... There it's like are 500 people right there. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it's nonstop. It really is. The beautiful thing about more. There's 45 bands and 12 fans. <laughs> Most of the time, I mean, depending on who it is, all the gigs I go to have people. But that's kind of oh, what's no. nice yeah. about it, you know, is it's not. It out, yeah. Yeah, it's just 
it's all about the music on Mork, whereas Kiss, it's all about Kiss. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was it was cool. I mean, I I thought I thought that's how it would be as well, and it, and it is very much about Kiss, of course. And the Kiss Army is strong, but but everyone on that boat was very open to us, very welcoming, very nice. We had a few people come up to more than one person. Yeah, not more than ten, but more than one came up to us and looked around and quietly said, I'm going to be honest. I, I like, I like your, your guys set better than kiss. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that uh, that might be the general thought these days, right? Is that people are even kiss fans are kind of like, really, we're still doing this. You know, look, I like kiss, but I like variety. So I would never, if I had my choice to do the kiss cruise or the monsters of rock cruise, I would love to do both, but I can only do one. I can only afford one. So my money goes to Monsters of Rock every year. And I would love for you guys to be added to the cruise. You know, I would love for them to add you guys to the cruise because not only would you fit right in with the clientele that's doing that, but the beautiful thing about the Monsters of Rock cruise is they bring some of these European bands that I would never get the opportunity to see otherwise. Right. And I love that, man. Yeah, for sure. The cruise format is is, is really nice and really fun. It is, man. It's beautiful being able to go from your room to a gig within two minutes. It's, yes. That's fantastic, man. I can be in my room one minute and three minutes later, I can be watching, you know, Striper on stage or I can be watching, uh, you know, Faster Pussycat, whatever, you know. Uh, so it's fantastic. We really, really have five days of just awesome music and fun. And our little group that started going on the cruise three years ago or whatever, I think we're on our third or fourth one. But uh, it started out and it was literally like, I don't know, five of us. And now it's grown to like, there's like 15 of us regulars that, you know, are in the group. Yeah, we met, we met a ton of people on the boat that had been on all 11 Kiss cruises. We we're like, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. We didn't even know Kiss had a cruise. So, <laughs> Oh, really? <laughs> I'm educated now, but I didn't know anything before. That's a regular thing. So tell us about the UK tour that you're getting ready to leave for literally tomorrow. Literally tomorrow. I'm going to hang up with you here when we're done and go pack. So <laughs> that's, that's how soon it is. Yeah. But, uh, we're so excited. We're going to be all over the place. If you're, if you're listening right now from the UK and it's, uh, there's still time to get tickets. The link is lamaybe.com slash UK tour. If it's past, you know, then you missed out. I played great. So, um, <laughs> and you're playing with who, who are you going out with? No, we're going out with ourselves, right? It's a headline tour. The first date is a um, uh, festival. So we'll be playing a big festival there. But then uh, then it's just us and a bunch of you know local support acts and stuff that, that are all really kick-ass. Uh, we're going all over the place, man. We start in Sheffield for Winter Rocks 2022, which is going to be a blast. We'll, we'll link up with our boys in the New Roses again, which we love those guys. Great band. Yeah, really good band. And, um, you know, tons of others. But we're, we're on, you know, we're right on that day with them direct support. So that'll be really fun. We're also doing like a special VIP acoustic set. We've, we've really pulled out all the stops for this. We're doing an acoustic set. We've rearranged the set list entirely. We're playing a brand new song. that's not recorded. We just learned it like three weeks ago you know, for, to, you know, throw in the set. We're doing some covers that people absolutely wouldn't expect. We have some mind bending instrumental moments and moments where I'm going to sing that people are going to be shocked by. And there's all kinds of crazy stuff that you're not going to, there's not going to know what hit them. I think. Cause it, we, we were there in May. So we wanted to do something that 
is different. If you come to see us again, we want you to be like, oh my God, that was not like, they're not phoning this in. That was the, that was a completely different, you know, show. And, and there's a lot of stuff that I wasn't expecting. That's what we wanted to do. We'll see if we nail it, but that's the plan at least. And that's what we've been preparing for. We start off in Sheffield. From there, we go to uh, Wales. We're going to be in Crumlin, Newport area. After that, I'm going off memory here, London. And then after London, I believe we go to Blackpool and then Bradford, Carlisle. And then we go to Edinburgh, Norwich, Bournemouth, and then we finish in Bridgewater. So tickets are still available for those. And um, yeah, it's going to be a blast, man. We're, we're really excited. We played Blackpool last time. So we're, we're looking forward to that because we know exactly what to expect. But everywhere else, you know, uh, and we played a couple other places, but everywhere else is going to be a new, fresh face and, and our first time there. And it's going to be exciting. So we're ready to go. What about here in the U.S.? So I know you guys do some regional stuff, but is there any opportunity or any chance to sort of branch out more so than just like the one off at, at the whiskey yeah, possibly. The biggest the biggest drawback with touring right now is it's so expensive mm-hmm. and we're not guaranteed to make that money back. So it's essentially just an investment. You're just throwing a shit ton of money at the wall and maybe you'll make it. Maybe you'll break even and come back with zero. And that would be a huge win. So in 2023, we have some things maybe working, but by and large, we're going to be hitting the Internet really hard in 2023. You know, we were talking about this a little bit earlier with our releases, with our marketing, with our promotion. We need more people to know who we are. So window tour, people show up that doesn't happen. <laughs> so it's, uh, you know, and that's why the other thing, you know, we, we could hop on, you know, LA guns tour or something that someone established and you know, there's those kind of things are in the works as well, but, uh, there's a lot of moving parts to those. So you never really know what's, what's going to happen until it's happening. So I definitely can't say anything about that. Cause I don't know myself, but I can say that we're going to be focusing in our region because we can play those shows and not have hotels and not have big gas costs. Cause that's crazy you know, for the big van pulling the trailer, all that stuff not have to pay a bunch of people, nothing, you know, we can just go out, make money and put it directly towards our marketing and our promotion and, and getting more eyes on us. Cause we have, we have a good product. You know, every time we show our music to someone, they're like, Oh, you guys are great. Why don't I know you? It's like, well, this is why you don't know us. Cause we haven't put money into marketing. So that's what we're going to do now. Cause, cause we've cracked the code. I think at least in part on the hardest part, which is writing music that connects with people. So since we've done that, and since we're, we're going to hopefully continue to do that, then we have to now move on to phase two, which is, you know, being, being a business marketing and promotion and advertising and no different than McDonald's or Coke, you know, slightly smaller budget. (laughs) We only have $12 billion. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's awesome, man. I'm glad we had the opportunity to catch up on some of this stuff. You know, it sounds like you guys are doing all the right things. Before I let you go, let's talk a little bit about, so you have your own podcast, your YouTube thing called Your New Favorite Band Podcast, right? Yeah, yeah. it's Your New Favorite Band. Yep, we're the LA Maybe. It's it's our podcast. Yep, uh, you guys, it's you and Drizzle, the other guitar player, and you guys break down songs, but then you just shoot the shit every so often, right? Yeah, pretty. And then, you know, we called it your new favorite band for two reasons. Obviously, we're being cute. We want us to be your new favorite band. But also, we have a lot of new favorite bands. And there's so many good new artists out there. We were talking about the New Roses earlier. They were one of our new favorite bands. And we want to talk about those artists and spotlight those artists as well. So anyone that comes to our world can get Spiderweb, you know, Spiderweb out into these other bands that we love and, and that we really believe in and that we've toured with or played with or met along the way, you know. So it's part of that. But mostly, you're right. It's just us shooting the shit. But we'll um, we'll go sometimes in when we have a new song like Down the Fight, we went into the, the Pro Tools session and broke down, you know, oh, this is this. This is the story behind this. Oh, do you remember when we did this? Yeah, that was funny. You know, we shot the video and this, you know, all this stuff. And we'll, we'll kind of, it's, it's very behind the scenes and very real and open. And 
and a lot of, uh, you know, it's just fun. It's just really fun. And we built that whole podcast studio we're in. It's, it's actually part of Daryl's Driz's house. It's, uh, in his, um, it's like his garden sheds. We gutted the whole thing and built that studio and awesome. put it all together. So it was, it was a really fun project and, uh, and we love doing it. Well, that's awesome. So next time after you guys get back from your UK tour and sometime maybe in the new year, let's have you and Drizzle both come on and sure. fill us in on what's happening and how the UK tour went and how your Christmas went. And did you get that new guitar or that new pick yeah. or whatever, you know? And maybe Sonny can join us when he's done with his ballet class. That's right. Uh, you know, Sonny has to stay limber. That's how he deals with it, right? So That's how he does those toe touches where he brings his leg here. You exactly. Know? How how else do you think we met Kip Winger? That's how Sonny yeah. had a ballet well, class with him, right? He, wanted, he, he saw Sonny and was like, let me get a roadie to bring bring that one backstage. Exactly. So we keep Sonny on his uh on his toes. Pardon the nice. pun. That was a great one. That's it. Uh, but hey, man, thanks for visiting us. I love the new song. Can't wait to hear more. Yeah, we'll get it to you. I promise. And thank you for having me. This has been a blast. Always a blast to catch up and talk. And uh, and we definitely stay in touch. So let's do it. We uh, have an open door policy for the L.A. Maybe you're one of our new favorite bands. Hey, there we go. Well, I love <laughs> it. Thank you so much for having me. Man. All right, it. Dallas. We'll see you, buddy. All right. See you. Cheers. All right, so obviously I didn't get to participate in that interview because Dallas, I was busy. Okay, don't worry about what I'm doing. I was busy. Ballet. <laughs> Whatever it was. Okay, but anyway, do that song, the Down to Fight song. I mean, the production sounds absolutely huge. The song just punches you in the head. The vocal and the guitar sound amazing. Yeah. These guys seem to be getting better every song they release. That song is right up my alley. I mean, I, I loved it from the get-go. It's not one that I had to live with for a long time. None of that. I heard it. I was like, yeah. I told Dallas in the interview, I said, give me an album of this. Dallas and I kind of get into the new environment of releasing albums. And so basically what he said is he's like, look, we're going to be releasing a new song every four weeks, five weeks, six weeks. They're basically going to release the album as songs throughout the course of the year. So they're still writing. They're still recording. They've got another song that's ready to go after down to fight, which they'll release in, you know, another few weeks or whatever, but we're not going to get a new album from the LA maybe till probably the end of next year. Really at this point, he said it may even be early 2024. You'll get a new album 
It's just by the time the album comes out, you will have heard all the songs on that album. Does that make sense? Several bands have done that. It's worked for the people that want actual product versus just dreams. It works. Well, and he goes into an explanation of it. It's no new ground. He's not breaking new ground. He knows that. And a lot of bands, as you just mentioned, are kind of doing the same thing. And it makes sense. The way he breaks it down really makes sense. When they're ready, they're ready. And it's great. We'll get songs along the way, but we'll get a little bit of LA maybe every few weeks as opposed to one big album. And then two weeks later, we kind of forget about it because 12 other bands have released new albums by then. Yeah. I think the interesting part there too is you don't have to put out a ballad. Like every song can punch you in the head because it doesn't have to have this album concept. Now, I guess at the end, if you're going to release an album, you could throw the ballad in then or somehow tie it in. But otherwise, like you can't release a concept record that way, but you can release a rock record that way. Right. Totally get that. So the LA Maybe, the song was Down to Fight. If you haven't heard of this band or you haven't checked them out yet, go back and pick up their last album, which is Dirty Damn Tricks. Pretty sure that it made both mine and Sonny's top 10 for that year, but it's just a great record. So go check out the LA Maybe Dirty Damn Tricks. Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock. Okay, so there's an album out there called We Wish You a Metal Christmas and a Headbanging New Year. So it's a compilation, 12 songs. Depending on what version you get, you could get 16 songs with four bonus songs. And there's basically an all-star cast of hard rock and heavy metal artists. was released on my birthday, October 14th, 14 years ago in 2008. And basically, each song has its own like super group doing a traditional Christmas song. Um, the whole album is about 67 minutes long, released on a label called Armory, and it was produced by Brett Chasen and Bob Kulik, rest in peace, because Bob was doing a lot of this stuff in the 2000s. I think not only keeping these guys employed, but keeping these guys' name out there, to be honest with you. So pretty interesting album, and uh, we're going to kind of talk about it track by track, and we'll tell you who is on each track. So let's get on with it. The first track is We Wish You a Merry Christmas. So you got Jeff Scott Soto on vocals, which we all love Jeff Scott Soto if you listen to this podcast. Bruce Kulick on lead guitar. Obviously, he was in Kiss, Grand Funk Railroad. Bob Kulick on guitar. Obviously, he's been in Wasp. He was with some of the Kiss guys doing stuff, and he's done his own solo stuff. Chris Weiss on bass, been in The Cult, Ozzy Osbourne, Ace Fairley, and others. And Ray Luzier on drums of Corn. So... The original We Wish You a Merry Christmas, there's like 10 million versions out there. For me, because I had kids, I have four kids, the kids were doing Christmas carols at school. They were doing Christmas carols at church. They listened to Christmas music at home. So our go-to was always like the Disney holiday chorus one because it was kind of a very fun and happy. This version, I love the lyrics were changed a little bit to We Wish You a Metal Christmas. I thought Jeff absolutely killed a vocal. I thought the music was done great to make it a rock song. I can see TSO doing this version. I like that the song had a little choir type of backing vocals too. And then you get the awesome Merry Christmas by Jeff at the end. Dude, I thought this was a banging way to start the album. What did you think? <laughs> I, I think Jeff sounds great. As I've pointed out before, uh, what the fuck is Ficky Puddin'? I don't want any. I don't need to know. 
It's disgusting. I love the solo in it, and I don't know whether that's Bruce or Bob, but the solo is really cool in this song. Yeah, it's a good way to start the record for sure. Jeff sounds amazing on this uh, song. He really does. Thank you. 
All right, second track, Run, Rudolph, Run. So you got Lemmy of Motorhead on vocals. You got Billy Gibbons of ZZ Top on guitar. And you got, and of course, Lemmy's playing bass also. And then you got Dave Grohl, because, you know, can't do anything without Dave Grohl being involved, of our Nirvana and Foo Fighters. So the original Run, Rudolph, Run was actually done by Chuck Berry. I love the Chuck version of that whole blues, boogie-woogie feel. That was our family go-to. And I love that Billy and Dave kept the groove the same with a little bit of a harder rock flavor. So they did a good job of like Billy doing Chuck's guitar solo, but a little bit more of a modern flavor, but I'm sorry, Lemmy doing this, dude, it's almost unlistenable hearing Lemmy singing the song. <laughs> I'm sure you loved it, but I'm sorry, dude, Chuck's version is so much better. See, <laughs> so you don't know me at all. Uh, <laughs> look, yeah, the original version with Chuck Berry is uh, unmatched. <laughs> uh, when Lemmy starts singing, I can appreciate and respect Lemmy. I do. But the man's not a good singer. <laughs> and him trying to sing a, a Christmas song is even worse. It's not good. I started laughing when he starts singing because it is kind of funny. I will say this. As much as I love Billy Gibbons, uh, and he's a great blues player, for me, I could tell that the solo was really ad-libbed. Uh, you could tell that he really didn't plan anything out. He just kind of was feeling it and went for it. And it's fine. It's okay. It just felt ad-libbed to me. And I like a lot of his stuff uh, better than I particularly love this. But it's okay. I'm with you. <laughs> it's hard to hear this song with Lemmy singing. track santa claus is coming to town and claus is spelled a little bit differently and we'll get to that in a second as a family our go-to was always the jackson five version with those high chipmunk vocals i think the kids thought it was alvin and the chipmunks actually but this version santa claus is coming to town alice cooper on vocals john five on the solo obviously he's been rob zombie billy sheehan on bass we all know billy vinnie is it apathy or a piece i don't know Vinny is Apathy, Carmine is a piece. So Vinny Apathy, and of course he's been in Black Sabbath, Heaven and Hell, Dio on drums. So, you know, you got to have the haunting start. And then of course you can't spell Claus normal because it's Alice Cooper. So Claus is spelled C-L-A-W-S. And you get a spelling lesson from Alice at the beginning of the song, which is totally Alice. 
This song sounds to me just like an Alice song from Life Constrictor. John 5, awesome. This is the song that made me appreciate like the production of the album for whatever reason I noticed it here best. I would say Alice's vocal is tolerable versus Lemmy, but not by much. But I absolutely love all the fills that John 5 is doing throughout the song. And I kind of like that Alice took some liberties on the lyrics, like break toys, make some noise, party all night long. That ain't in the Santa Claus is coming to town that you normally hear. (laughs) But I thought they did a good job of kind of making it their own. I was okay with this one. All right. So my notes are nothing about this song is good. It's, oh, come it's, on. Except for a well, okay, maybe the solo. Uh, and let me help you out there. Let me correct you and get you used to saying this. It's John 5 of Motley Crue. Oh, now. good Lord. <laughs> no longer John 5 of Rob Zombie, but John 5 from Motley Crue now. Uh, look, this song is okay. It's, it's fun, I guess. Uh, you know, I think what you're going to find from me is I'm a little bit of a purist when it comes to Christmas music. And so the theme within this album is that you're going to hear, it's hard for me to hear some of this stuff and get a Christmas feeling of it. I might want to murder a goat. But I'm not sure that I'm feeling Christmassy when I hear some of this stuff. But uh, look, Santa Claus is coming to time. It's, it's fun. It's all right for me. Talking about murdering goats, the next song is God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen. So in my house, the go-to, honestly, was the Garth Brooks version. Obviously, this band does not do that because this band is Ronnie James Dio on vocals, (laughs) Tony Iommi on guitar, Rudy Sarzo on bass, Simon Wright on drums. If you don't know Simon Wright, he was an ACDC and Dio. So obviously, this band does like a Black Sabbath type version. And Ronnie sings it well, but the melody like becomes like theatrical because of the Sabbath flavor. And I like some of the stuff Ronnie did, like after the guitar solo, but I don't think I'd ever listen to this version again. And I'm going to say it out loud. 
Give me the Garth Brooks version over this any day of the week and twice on Sunday. Ronnie, rest in peace. But this being drop D tune or whatever they're doing in this song, it, it does not work for me. <laughs> Here's my notes. I wrote Black Christmas scared me. I do, I do, however, like the change up during the solo break, the chord change up and, and everything where it kind of goes into that chunk, chunk sound during the solo break. I, I did like that. But yeah, this, <laughs> this song is the opposite of Christmas. <laughs> God rest ye merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day. To save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. Let nothing you dismay Remember Christ the Savior Was born on Christmas Day To save us all from Satan's power When we were gone astray Oh, tidings of comfort and joy Comfort and joy, oh, So the fifth song we get to is Silver Bells. And I remember the first time that I saw this album, I'm like, somebody's doing Silver Bells? Because I will tell you the go-to for me is the Bing Crosby, Carol Richards version. If you've never heard that, man, the two of them absolutely sound amazing together. But on this version, you get Jeff Tate of Queensryche. He'll, he'll always be of Queensryche. On vocals, Carlos Cavazzo from Quiet Riot. On guitar, you got James Lomenzo from White Lion, Black Libel Society's been in Slash's Snake Pit on bass, and again, Ray Luzier on drums. So to me, this version, Ray was really kind of driving the pace of the song, and the intro to the song absolutely kicks you in the ass. And I have to admit, Jeff sounds great doing this song, and goddamn Cavazzo, dude. I have never heard Carlos Cavazzo rip like that on a song. This is better than literally any Quiet Riot song I've ever heard and any corn song I've ever heard. I thought this was outstanding. <laughs> ah, this is why we have a podcast because we are completely different. <laughs> okay. So, Silver Bells, Jeff Tate, Carlos, James Lomenzo of Megadeth. Oh, good Lord. Whatever. I have to help you out, man. It's, it's okay. So, this is also going to be a theme with me throughout this record. But, Jeff, and I'm a Jeff Tate fan, man. I'm a huge Queen's Reich, especially the early Queen's Reich. Jeff Tate, great. I hate Jeff's voice on this song. Really? I hate it. Does not fit the tune to me at all. However, I really, really like the music. I think the music of this song is really good. I really did like the arrangement. I dug everything about it. But for whatever reason, Jeff's voice on this song 
it rubs me the wrong way. I don't know what it is. It sounds like he's singing early Queens, right? But it's the silver bells and it just feels weird and sounds weird to me. And I didn't like it at all. And it was at times way too theatrical in certain parts. So yeah, I just didn't sit right with me on this tune. Silver bells, silver bells, it's Christmas time in the city. Ring-a-ling, ring-a-ling, hear them ring, ting-a-ling, soon it will be Christmas Day. City sidewalks, busy sidewalks, dressed in holiday style. In the air, there's a feeling of Christmas. Children laughing, people passing, meeting smile after smile. And on every street corner you
talk about something that we'll probably disagree on. (laughs) The six track Little Drummer Boy. So at my house, the Temptations version. So you can obviously guess. At our house, yes, we listen to a lot of Christmas music over time, and we listen to a lot of Christmas music from a lot of different artists because there were certain songs we liked better than others depending on who was singing it, right? So our go-to on Little Drummer Boy has always been the Temptations version. This version has Doug Pinnock on vocals, obviously from King's X. You got George Lynch on guitar. You got Billy Sheehan on bass. And then you got Simon Phillips on drums. So... I like the guitar licks that George is doing, which kind of makes it rock and make it different. Uh, Lynch's solo is, Jesus Christ, it's just bananas, which would be expected. Doug's vocals are completely meh to me on this song. And besides George, really the whole song is kind of blah. And Simon tried to save it at the end with some drumming. Nah, meh. The whole song was just kind of, okay, George did some cool stuff and the rest of the song is meh. Ditto. I wrote, (laughs) (laughs) I wrote, it's okay. Which is uh, code for meh. out from this lovely metal Christmas and just from all of us here at the Grown Up Rock Podcast, we want to wish each and every one of you guys a very Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, whatever it is that you celebrate. Cheers to you and your families. And now back to our regularly scheduled metal Christmas. Yeah. So seventh track, Santa Claus is back in town and 
really the only other version I've ever heard of the song is Elvis because I think Elvis might have done the song. I have no idea. Uh, this version's got Tim Ripper Owens on vocals. So, yes, that Tim Ripper Owens. Steve Morse on guitars, who uh, Dixie drags Deep Purple, if you don't know who Steve is. Juan Garcia on rhythm guitar. Juan is the rhythm guitarist for Body Count. Marco Mendoza on bass. Whitesnake, Ted Nugent, he's been at 800 bands. And then you got Vinnie Apice again on drums. So the guitar riff I thought was great. The music and the groove is awesome. I love the start, stop, and the verses. Tim kind of overdoes it on the vocal. He basically does what Ripper does. Like it just, anytime you hear Ripper sing, it's a law. Like there's always <laughs> something just, damn, can you just cut that shit out? Um, I thought Steve killed a solo, but in the end, I wish Jeff would have sang the song because I thought the music was great. But the Tim, like, theatrical holding a skull in his hand, doing the shakes of beer. Like, I just I just can't handle it. You know, he's sponsored by Monster Energy Drinks, right? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, you know what? I sort of agree with most of what you said. I had no clue who Juan Garcia is. So thanks for putting that out there for me. I got to say, when I heard this tune, it's actually one of my favorites on this record. But here's, let me ask your opinion on this, because I swear to God, I listened back to this several times and I heard it. And not only did I hear it on this song, but I hear it on a few other songs, which I'll try to point out. But on this song in particular, this song reminds me of Love is a Social Disease by Bon Jovi. Go listen to the music of this song, the arrangement of this song, and see if you can hear Love is a Social Disease by Bon Jovi. Yeah, I didn't hear that before, but I'll check that. It's the it, it's that groove and that mm. guitar, and it reminds me a lot of that song. And that's probably why I like this song, because I do like that groove. I like the riff. Yeah, Tim, I can take or leave, whatever, but uh, I agree with you. Like, if uh, JSS was doing this tune, it would have been much better. But, yeah, I, this so far, this is one of the songs that spoke to me a little bit more than some of the others. Christmas, Christmas. Silent Night. So <laughs> let me start with who is doing this track on this album. Let me start with there ain't nothing silent about this <laughs> night. 
<laughs> Chuck Billy from Testament on vocals. Scott Ian on guitar from Anthrax. John Donace, I think his name is. Donace. I don't even know how to say his last name. He's also from Anthrax. Chris Wise, which we already talked about. And then John Tempstuff from White Zombie Exodus. He's been in the cult. They get together to do Silent Night. I will tell you the family always listened to Percy Sledge's version. Percy has an amazing, great, soothing voice. No doubt about it. From the first note of the guitar, this ain't the Percy Sledge version. <laughs> dude, dude, Chuck's Cookie Monster vocal is brutal. <laughs> they took Silent Night and this group made it into a basically thrash song with a great solo that would be a great guitar solo in any thrash song. But in this song, completely sucks ass. This, oh my God, this was bad. I cannot believe this made the album. Here, you want to hear my notes? <laughs> you love it. Chuck is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Okay. As I pointed out before, nothing silent about this. <laughs> and then number two, it's as calming as a chainsaw ripping through flesh of that drug dealer from Scarface. <laughs> that, that was my notes. Yeah, rough, rough. Super rough, man. This song, uh, yeah. Okay.
So we go to the ninth track, Deck the Halls. The family go-to was always the Nat King Cole version. And actually, if you don't own the Nat King Cole Christmas album, you need to go buy it because every song on that album is awesome. This version has only Logan on lead vocals. Now, he's either in Lynch Mob or out of Lynch Mob, depending on what day it is. Uh, Craig Goldie, who's been in Dio and a whole bunch of others. Tony Franklin on bass, who's been in Blue Murder and a host of others. And again, John Tempsta on drums. So the guitar feel absolutely has a Lynch Mob feel, even though George Lynch isn't in this song. The happy-go-lucky feel of the normal Christmas song definitely gets a lot drearier on this version. Craig does some awesome guitar fills, though. Oni's soulful voice is great. But in the end, he had a hard time selling this song to me. Oni did. But my God, what Craig is doing on the guitar solo is beyond wow. So like... Now we're in the ninth song, and you do have to admit, musically, dude, this album rips if they had the right singer on every song. Would you at least agree there? Uh, I think that would definitely help, because much like the other song that, again, big fan of Jeff Tate, did not love him on Silver Bells, the same thing is true about this particular tune. I like Oni's voice. But I hate Oni's voice on this song. There's just something that rubs me wrong about it. But again, I do like the music. So in both cases of Deck the Halls and Silver Bells, I love both singers, but I hate their voices on those songs. And I like the music from both those songs. Deck the halls with boughs of holly, fa-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la. Tis the season to be jolly, fa-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la. Don we now our gay apparel, fa-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la. Troll the ancient yuletide carol, fa-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la. So the 10th track, Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. Obviously, everybody's heard the Elmo and Patsy version. That was the go-to version for everybody. Got really popular in the 80s for whatever. I think it might have been released in the 80s, possibly. I'm not sure about that. On this version, you get Stephen Piercy on vocals, Tracy Guns on guitar, Bob Kulik on guitar, Billy Sheehan on bass, Greg Bissonette on drums. So I remember when getting the CD, and I'm like, oh, they're going to do Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. Then I saw what singer was attached, and I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> So this song to me is perfectly set up for somebody like a D Snyder or an Alice Cooper. Mm-hmm. Piercy did the best he could, which honestly isn't great, but the music is so great. And the guitar solos, including the outro solo, simply wow. The song deserved a singer that could actually sing it in the end. 
disappointing version because Elmo and Patsy is such a great version. And it's so great that like the family, the whole song is about the family didn't like the grandma. Like it's so awesome. I think first of all, you're correct. This would have been great with a uh, Alice or a D, but at the same time, this song isn't necessarily about the singer as much as it's about the lyrics. And this is just a fun song, no matter really who does it. And so for that purpose alone, I just enjoy listening to the lyrics. And probably this song doesn't get played today because it's not politically correct. <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. it's probably offending somebody at this point in time, which is just that's a whole nother podcast that I'm not willing to do right now. But anyway, here's another song that I'm going to point out to you. This song is Tie Your Mother Down by Queen. Listen to the riff, and it's Tie Your Mother Down. I would love to hear somebody either tell me I'm absolutely crazy or somebody tell me, yes, I hear it. Tie Your Mother Down in this one, Love is a Social Disease, and Santa Claus is Back in Town. I think they're maybe intentional. I think they're inserting these little iconic riffs in these songs uh, because they can. So... Let me know what you think. But yeah, I heard Tie Your Mother Down in this version of Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. Uh, and it, it makes me laugh, and I enjoyed this song. So, Grandma got run over by a reindeer Walking home from our house Christmas Eve You can say there's no such thing as Santa But as for me and Grandpa, we believe She'd been drinking too much eggnog And we begged her not to go But she forgot her medication And she staggered out the door into the snow When we found her Christmas morning At the scene of the attack She had hoof prints on her forehead Incriminating claws marks on her back Grandma got run over by a reindeer Walking home from our house Christmas Eve You can say there's no such thing as Santa But as for me and Grandpa, we believe Now we're all so proud of Grandpa He's been taking this so well Beer and playing cards with Cousin Mel It's not Christmas without Grandma All the family's dressed in black And we just can't help but wonder Should we open up her gifts or send them back? Send them back! <laughs> Grandma got ran over by a reindeer Walking home from our house Christmas Eve you can say there's no such thing as Santa But as for me, Grandpa, we believe Two more songs left, second to last, Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree. 
the family go-to for us was always the Brenda Lee version. The Brenda Lee version is amazing. This song's been done by a million people, though, so you can get it a lot of different ways. This version, it's got Joe Lynn Turner on vocals, Bruce and Bob Kulik on guitars, Rudy Sarzo on bass, Simon Wright on drums. I love the guitar riff on the song. I really like that Joe did not do an opera-type theatrical thingy. I thought he did straight-ahead rock, which I think works. I think this band, this Joe, Bruce, Bob, Rudy, Simon, would have put out an awesome album together because Bruce and Bob do some great guitar parts on the song without overdoing it. So I thought Joe did a good job of not overdoing it, and then Bruce and Bob did a good job of not overdoing it. One of my favorites on the album. Yeah, I don't have a whole lot to add to this. I mean, I thought it was enjoyable as well. I didn't have a whole lot of notes uh, regarding this other than that it was enjoyable to me. So. Rocking around the Christmas tree at the Christmas party hop. Mistletoe home where you can see every couple tries to stop. Rockin' around the Christmas tree Let the Christmas spirit break Later we'll have some pumpkin pie And we'll do Christmas tree at the Christmas party hop. Mr. Lonely, you can see every couple travel stop. Rocking around the Christmas tree, let the Christmas spirit reign. Later we'll have some pumpkin pie, yeah, we'll do some caroling. You will get a sentimental feeling when you And then the last song we got is Happy Christmas, War is Over. That is, of course, everybody's probably heard the John Inland song. He wrote it. In this version, you got Tommy Shaw on vocals, Steve Luthiker on guitar, Marco Mendoza on bass, and Kenny Aronoff on drums. So Tommy, dude, absolutely kills a vocal. That probably does not surprise anybody. I like it. They didn't go full board metal on this version. I thought the pace is perfect to pay kind of homage to the original. Everything Luthiker are doing is good and it fits and it's not overdone. I honestly would take a whole Christmas album from Tommy, Steve, Marco, and Kenny because I thought this closed out the album exactly how I'd want it closed out. I love Tommy. So I love Tommy Shaw too. And maybe it's this song in particular, but it's really hard for me to hear anybody do this song other than John Lennon. And I don't know what it is. So like I said, this was going to be a common theme with me throughout a lot of this record. For whatever reason, I don't like Tommy on this song. And again, I can't say this enough, but I love Tommy Shaw. 
I like all the singers that I'm saying that I don't think sound good on this particular song. For me, Tommy's a little bit too clean and too precise. I think that this song, like I started trying to think about singers that to me would have fit this song that I thought might do a decent job. And the two I came up with were what I would consider much lesser of singers as compared to a Tommy Shaw. And what I came up with is somebody like a Springsteen or a Bon Jovi that would have sounded a little bit better on a song like this because Lennon, you know, Lennon on this song wasn't not the best singer in the world on this song. It's just takes somebody uh, with imperfections to pull this song off. In my opinion, you know, somebody like a petty or whatever, but other than that, I thought it was fine, but that's how it came across for me. So this is Christmas And what have you done Another year over And you won't just be gone And so this is Christmas I hope you have fun The
So whenever we do these album uh, reviews, we always do like a best two, worst two. Here's my best two, worst two, my favorite two. We're actually the first song and the last song. We wish you a Merry Christmas with Jeff and Happy Christmas War is Over with Tommy singing. I thought both those songs were great. I will tell you, I really liked Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree and I really liked Silver Bells. The worst two is easy. Dude, Silent Night, that, oh my God, that is one of the worst renditions of a Christmas song I have ever heard. And Run, Rudolph, Run, I cannot listen to Lemmy doing a Chuck Berry song. And I know he probably loved Chuck Berry. That is his go-to, but God, that song's so bad. <laughs> yeah, okay. So my my bottom two are going to be the exact same. That's a super easy one for me. Uh, no worries there. My top two, I, I like Santa Claus is Back in Town. Uh, I really dug that tune. And another one that I liked, uh, one of my top two, let me see, let me look at the list real quick. Honestly, it's probably going to be Grandma Got Run Over by Reindeer because it was, I liked the music and it was fun. Yeah. Uh, so that's probably my two tops. You wanted the best, but you got the best. The hottest band in the world, Kiss! It's time for your historic moment on Growing Up Rock. So for the historic moment, and I'm sure that the release police that works exclusively on KISS content will correct me, <laughs> but it looks like in the mid-80s, KISS started doing an acapella version of White Christmas during their live gigs around Christmas Day. There's some versions out there on YouTube that have Eric Carr. Yep. Some versions have Eric Singer. My guess is there is no acapella Christmas songs by Ace and Peter in the band because they probably didn't enjoy being that close to each other. Plus Ace singing in a barbershop quartet. I don't know about that. So here's a version from the mid nineties. That's got Paul, Gene, Bruce, and Eric Singer singing white Christmas acapella style. Enjoy. Listen and children listen to hear sleigh bells in the snow. Yeah, so that was fun. And like you mentioned earlier, I went out there and found a version from 87 that had uh, Bruce, Paul, Gene, and Eric, which was uh, pretty close to uh, what you just heard. Pretty similar. It was live during, obviously, the <laughs> asylum days because they were wearing all kinds of uh, <laughs> glittery stuff on stage. So, but yeah, you know, it's fun. Goes great with the Christmas theme. It's perfect, right? Oh, yeah. 
So bringing this episode home, you know, we start talking about these like compilation albums that are tribute type albums. There's always going to be, hey, there was some good and then there was some bad. I think we did a Van Halen one a while back and I'm like, ooh, some of that was really rough. Don't try doing La Roth if you can't do it. And you know what? If you can do Eddie, I guess go do it. And if you can't do Eddie, then do something that's close. That's an homage to Eddie, right? So there's always like good and bad to it. But uh, I really like tribute albums because I kind of like that I know the song and you're hearing it a different way. And my ears are usually open to, let's see if somebody can make this better. Because at a lot of the times, I then only listen to that version. I never go back to the old one because I don't like it anymore. Yeah, I like some tribute records. They're not at the top of my list. This one I thought was particularly interesting because they've got a lot of good names involved in this project. It's funny to look at some of these because it seems like I've gone through a lot of tribute records that Bob has produced over the years, and he likes to use a lot of the same people. Like he's used Tommy Shaw on a bunch of stuff. He's used Lemmy on a bunch of stuff. He's used Tony Franklin on a bunch of stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that he's just more friendly with them or they're easier to coordinate schedules with or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. My guess is either they live close and they can come by anytime. He knows exactly what their schedules look like. So they help them out and they're not flakes or, you know, you get a, and I don't know this for absolute fact, but you get somebody like a Tony Franklin already doesn't maybe live in the States. It's like, Tony, I'm going to send you this track and you do the bass track, send it back. And you know, Tony's a guy that sends it back in 24 hours, where if you hand it off to some other bass player, Nikki six, it doesn't come back for three and a half weeks. Right. So it's like, and you can't deal with that. And then I'm sure that, and Bob has done this a lot on a lot of the tribute albums that, that he's done. He jumps in and out of being on some of these songs. And I've always wondered, was that somebody who couldn't get? Yeah. Right? Like, was that Sambora? Yeah. Right? He couldn't get Sambora. Yeah. So he's like, well, I'll just fill in there. Yeah, it could be. But I mean, look, on a lot of these things, he's doing double guitar work with his brother, right? I mean, yeah. his, he and his brother play on a few of those things. So who knows? I don't know. But uh, yeah, you know, it's enjoyable. It's fun. And it's perfect for this time of year. I mean, look, what else are we going to do on an episode we're releasing Christmas Day? Tell Christmas stories? I don't have a bunch. So I, I thought this was fun and uh, interesting and uh, love being able to have Dallas from the L.A. maybe on to tell us what they're up to. And, yeah, it's, it's just a good episode, you know, to release on Christmas Day. So appreciate all the listeners listening. I appreciate you uh, being involved in Growing Up Rock, a loud minority. Appreciate all the texts and the uh, messengers and et cetera. And if you're looking at uh, – Getting me something for Christmas, uh, send me a pound of green M&Ms. That'd be great. <laughs> now you can have a bunch of M&Ms show up on your doorstep. You might be sorry you said that. Uh, anyway, Christmas has passed. If they're listening to this on release day, then first of all, they need to get a life. But <laughs> second of all, uh, Christmas has already passed. We're looking at 2023 at this point. Uh, and so that's coming up quickly. We've got our best of that'll be up in a few weeks. And, uh, I think we've got a wild hair coming up next week, but anyway, as we said, we hope you guys had a happy and safe holiday and, uh, we hope you have a very great productive 2023 and, uh, yeah, thanks for all the listeners. Thanks for all the interactions. We appreciate it. Uh, we really makes, uh, this doing worthwhile. 
See you in 2023. See ya. Later. Get ready to shuffle, rattle, and roll. Play us out, boys. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.